Nothing wrong with being a virgin and a nerd. <laughs> Podcast with you boys Christian and Silas for the Fight Side Podcast Network. Uh, coming at you just ahead of a uh, genuinely really fantastic UFC pay-per-view card. Doesn't seem like we uh, we get these anymore, and it's still you know it's it, it's a good main card, and then the prelims have kind of been stripped of some depth that it had previously by uh, just good fights pulling out and some short notice replacements. Uh, as is the way with every card these days. Also going to do some quick recaps on the last UFC fight night. Sean Strickland versus uh, Abus Magomedov, a card that made me and a whole bunch of people look dumb as fuck, but we'll get into that later. we got good fights to talk about. Alexander Volkanovsky fighting Yair Rodriguez. Of course, coming off losing effort, trying to become double champ, going up to 155, having a very credible performance against uh, Islam Makachev. And uh, Yaya Rodriguez, of course, coming off a monumental shit-kicking of Josh Emmett. And um, I have been waiting for this fight for a while. It's one that I've been wanting to see because the comparison I keep making is uh, GSP versus Carlos Condit, where, you know, the consummate professional big brain strategist dude um has been stomping all of his matchups and in a way i think most people are probably going to give yaya rodriguez significantly lower chances of beating alexander volkanovsky in uh, any replicable way as max holloway or brian ortega or any of these guys but i give yaya rodriguez a way higher chance of just um randomly ending volk's life with something ridiculous out of nowhere even if it's a fight where he's getting his ass beat so i am into it for that reason yaya rodriguez is ridiculously dynamic and creative unpredictable he has ridiculous cardio he's got an insane chin He's the hardest kicker in the division, and against Josh Emmett, he just fucking spammed them. Um, and yeah, it, it's something important to mention is we were just jerking off to Paria the other day for that fight, and this fucking Yagarri guys finished Emmett like two rounds with a quickness. Yeah, in a way that it is also concerning for this fight because. Yaya Rodriguez still in love with his guard apparently didn't learn anything from that Frankie Edgar fight where he just got stacked up against the fence and got his ass fucking beat and spent the whole time trying to throw up triangles had no urgency to work to his feet and then he was doing that in the Josh Emmett fight and I'm thinking this is bad you should stop doing that 
you're probably not going to triangle Josh Emmett. And then he did triangle Josh Emmett, but he had kicked the fucking shit out of him first. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said. I think it's actually a bit of like uh, him being a victim of his own success where he's like, well, the, it keeps working though. I just submitted, I basically submitted Brian Ortega and then actually submitted Josh Emmett. So I, I guess I should keep using my card. Yeah, so he's almost certainly going to do that in this fight, and that's a bad idea. Because um, Volk, Volk is a monster on top, he's really tight positionally, and uh, Brian Ortega couldn't finish either of his best submissions on Volk, despite getting them about as deep as you could want. Um, so that is concerning. I do think Yaya genuinely poses some issues for Volk on the feet for the reasons that I laid out already is that he's he's rangy as fuck uh, his footwork is kind of wonky mechanically but he is just very dedicated to keeping a distance that's favourable for him and he is an extremely fast and powerful kicker and is fairly dedicated to southpaw open side kick switch ups which uh, Makachev had a lot of success with against Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Makachev a lot more. Uh, he's kind. Of, he's kind of just better defensively than Yaya Rodriguez, and he actually is a counter threat. And of course, uh, absolutely terrifying wrestling and grappling threat. But he still had a lot of success, just kind of wanging left kicks at uh, Alexander Volkanovsky from really far away. Um, if Volk isn't really dedicated about just like getting in close, trying to interrupt Yaya Rodriguez with his own kicks and trying to get uh, wrestling entries, he really could just uh, eat some horrendous kicks on his way in. But then also Yaya Rodriguez, you know, he is still kind of a fucking mess. His main thing is that he's just like comfortable being in a messy fight and being creative and uh, consistently looking for just random life-ending offensive reads. If you get in the pocket when he's off position from his kicks, he'll just uh, wang another punch and stay in the pocket while he's um, while he's putting his leg back down. He'll just stay in exchange and eat shit and then just kick you really fucking hard. Yai Rodriguez's aimless directionality almost kind of works to his benefit in every other fight. I think this fight in particular is one that is actually going to be an issue for him. Uh, the Max Holloway fight being an example of one where his, you know, just kind of floaty movement worked to his advantage in the sense that if he wanted to circle to his left, he would just feint a spinning elbow from the other side so that Max couldn't aggress and, and like get in on him. But Max it wasn't really going to be the type of guy to to like duck in and, and grab you uh, uh, and like put you on the ground immediately as urgently as Volkanovski would. Whereas, uh, like Volkanovski, he's he's just gonna do that as his first read. Like Max was like, "Oh, I need to find ways to kind of get in on him and and find shots, maybe to the back of his head or you know punch him in the ribs, something like that." But Volk, I feel like he's he's just gonna be seeing a guy turn his back to him all the time and then just sprint over and hoss him. Then another thing that's kind of interesting, I, I feel like Yarriguez is a unique grappling threat. Uh, not in that he has a consistent win, uh, like, like a consistent path to victory on the ground, just in that he kind of hosses his submissions in a way that Volkanovski, we haven't seen him deal with. 
you know, Makashev, he's incredibly tight positionally. He's not just gonna, he's not just gonna, like, throw up a triangle or something as, like, a, an urgent escape. Or he's not just gonna try and yank your arm off your body or, you know, like, tug on your shoulder in a goofy way that might, you know, yank your shoulder out of the joint. Uh, I, 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 for one, to actually give the Brian Ortega fight a bit more credit to Ayer, because that's, it's more so just him athletically fucking up his arm more so than actually submitting him. He just yanks his arm really hard and it, and it, it, it fucks it up. So, that type of thing is a genuine worry. I, I think he, Volkanovsky is a bit too liable to try and go for ground and pound. Not necessarily sell out, but I think he's just more urgent with the ground and pound traditionally than I think serves him in this fight. I think it, it's going to be hard for him to get safe offense. I, I feel like there's a real possibility that in the middle point of the fight, Volkanovski has a bit more of a tame approach on the ground after, you know, maybe in the early rounds, Yair throws up some dangerous submissions that don't necessarily get there or even get too close to finishing him, but he's just giving himself enough space to where he can find weird elbows or, you know, try and upkick just stuff that's going to be hard for Volkanovski to get his own offense off of while he's dealing with all of Yair's. But on the feet, I think it's kind of the same thing, except he has a lot more of a like a game structured around dealing with Volkanovski. He's very long, and Volkanovski has shown a bit of a difficulty punching up. Not severe, but at this level, you you got to you know bring up any factor that could be a, a possibility. Uh, the Makashev fight, I feel, more so than being a southpaw, I feel like the issue was that it was the first time he fought someone taller than him that would actually move backwards the entire time. He had troubles as well against Max Holloway trying to close distance. Like, you know, the, the uppercut left hook that Max dropped Volkanovski with in the second fight being an example. Yeah, and as you say, the, the third fight was all uh, Volk working off of the back foot and countering Max as he was trying to come into range. Yeah, and, and much like the first fight, uh, most of his success against Max Holloway was due to him kind of drawing Max onto himself rather than coming forward. And I, I just don't think that Max Holloway has the... He, he has the type of range game to bother Volk while Volk is, is coming forward, but not enough to like completely shut him out athletically. Uh, I think Yair being a hard enough kicker to actually stop Volk in his tracks if Volk tries to get too aggressive coming forward, or you know just throw up a, a goofy flying knee or or something super strong, just uh, like a, a big power front kick to the stomach, that type of thing could be a problem. Also, the the front kick to the chin, you know, Yair really loves that, and Volk does dip a lot whenever he aggresses. And then Makashev, it was just a guy that's taller than him that wanted to stay on the outside and wasn't really coming forward very much. I, I think Yair is more likely to start coming forward than uh, than either of the previous examples. I don't think Volkanovski inherently has a problem with fighting uh, someone going backwards. I think it's more just if he's at... If there's like a, a length disparity, then he does get a little more frazzled when it comes to his offensive approach. Like, his shot selection in the Makashev fight was not particularly good for the majority of it. He had his moments, but overall, I felt like he, he fought a losing fight against Makashev that we are not used to seeing him fight. And I think the southpaw dynamic is maybe like 10% of it. So I think the fact that 
Yair is going to have a powerful left body kick to off-put uh, Volkanovski and not really allow him to set his feet for power in the way he wants to, and also has good long kicking tools just to you know pot shot. His leg kick's good as well. Volkanovski's not a particularly uh, devout leg leg kick checker, and most of his his defense to leg kicks is just staying out of range. So something like that can be difficult. But on the flip side, I think that Yair's kicking is a lot more off put by uh, Volkanovski's kicking than vice versa. I, I think that the way that Volkanovski times his inside low kick and even outside low kick, he's he's just gonna not let Yair plant his feet or, or like base on one leg to kick with, and his punches aren't particularly powerful. Most of his damaging shots with his arms come from elbows, and Volkanovski is a bit too risk averse for me to expect him to get elbowed by anything. Just the fact that Volkanovski managed to avoid Brian Ortega's elbows makes me a bit more confident in his ability to not run into a counter. It is also possible Volkanovski just completely takes the back foot and disregards the issue. and is like, I'm not going to come. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how that would work out because, like I said, I think um, Yair's best chances are when this is at long range. And if Volk isn't going to press the issue, then... I think that just puts Yair at a much more favorable distance where he can consistently get off his kicks. And, um, <laughs> and uh, just be able to set his feet and not have to be so flighty all of the time. Um, and it's not that Volk can't win that fight. As you say, he, he is himself a very good kicker. Um, he's never shown himself to be the most active kick defender, but. We haven't really seen that many matchups where it's going to be a huge problem for him, and he obviously prepares very well for his fights. Um, and yeah, something we kind of both alluded to: his own kicks are just way more. Um, they're obviously not as powerful, but they just get to the target way quicker. And if he's just going to be constantly kicking Yaya's leg out, he really might even just be able to neutralize Yair Rodriguez from long range. It just seems like an unnecessarily risky way to approach the fight where he's more likely to just let Yair Rodriguez set up some silly shit on him. You know, what if he's kind of just like chilling from long range and just trying to set up his jab and low kick and Yair Rodriguez just comes out super hot and just kicks him really hard like 10 times in the first minute. Like the Max Holloway fight (laughs) where Max suddenly realizes, oh, this is fucking stupid i actually gotta go like beat this guy yeah that's uh i think in a perfect world if we're trying a game plan for what volkanovsky should do i think counter wrestling like counter fighting and wrestling is probably his best play like mostly kick on the outside at the legs stay very safe uh just just block if yair tries to punch because yair's punches are not very powerful at all. I don't think he poses much of a threat unless he just gets something crazy slick, like a like flicks a kick up and mostly is like a throwaway and then just stops really hard into a, a long straight as Volk's not wise to it. But it's really hard to, to blindside Volk with something like that. He is very aware of his surroundings, especially whenever someone is trying, like the type of fighter that Yair is. 
you know, of course, the worry that some people are going to have is that Max Holloway had success hurting Volkanovski with kicks. But that was just such a fucking cultured performance by Max Holloway, and he was not prepared for it. That was uh, not against tight performance, but more of, like, you know, fighting his, his like, B game more so than his A game against Volkanovski. It just was the play in the second fight. And then, you know, Volkanovski still did manage to find a way to figure it out and be a lot safer in the last three rounds, regardless of whether or not people think he won. So, the the primary dynamic for me that is really just not something that we can know until then is, does Volkanovski go for pressure wrestling, or does he try and pull Yair onto his own wrestling? I think he's more likely to go for pressure wrestling because he's a very good pressure fighter. He has great cage cutting. He is very powerful. He's, he's, I, I don't want to get it twisted and make people think that he can't win if he comes forward. I think coming forward is a very winnable strategy for Volkanovski. I think it is most likely to, to give him success on the feet. I think it is the most likely to get him in a winning fight sooner. But I think it might be theoretically safer for him to just fight on the outside and it's to be determined whether or not he's he's going to take that approach mostly in his title fights he's actually been pretty fucking ag- aggressive he's not fighting the traditional oh champion just trying to to win the fight uh safely and in, in just defend type strategy that people kind of pretend like a lot of champions are doing whatever they're not I, I think Volkanovski really is just going up and fucking people up for the most part whenever he sees the opportunity to. He's just not taking unnecessary risks. But this fight is entirely unnecessary risk. Every exchange is an unnecessary risk. I really think you minimize that risk by just getting into close range with Yaya Rodriguez because, as you say, he's not a great puncher mechanically. Is uh, most likely to hurt you when you're just when he's throwing one of these counterbalancing punches off of one of his kicks and you've, you're kind of off balance from the kick and not expecting someone to be able to immediately throw a punch in that position. Um, but, you know, yeah, Yaya Rodriguez knocked out BJ Penn doing that. Like, you know, like whatever. Um, I, I just think fighting Yaya Rodriguez from long range just poses more unnecessary risks because... Uh, I just don't think it's the play uh, with Yaya Rodriguez to just like try and defend his kicks because that just leaves Volkanovski way more susceptible to getting like uh, Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards. I think much safer to just counter all of his crazy, unpredictable setups from far away by just fucking stepping in on him and grabbing him. I, I tend to agree. I think a strategy that mixes both is... You know, it's obviously going to be the the best approach. Yeah, because Volk still needs to be prepared to handle Yaya from range because there's obviously going to be stretches of the fight that are contested at Yaya's preferred distance. And it's not like the fight is just a wash for Yaya by any stretch if they are at that distance for prolonged uh, periods of time. It's conceivable that Volkanovski could shut out Yaya on the feet without even posing a grappling threat. Yeah, it it's like just unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like a flex. And uh, and yeah, Vol- Volk's not, he's not that guy. He's he's going to do the thing that he needs to do to win. Yeah, he, he kind of respects his game too much to to fight like that. 
he's he's not gonna. I also feel like he certainly respects Yair Rodriguez a lot, which is something that is likely to his benefit. For other fighters, I would say it's maybe not to their benefit to respect him as much as he does. But I think that Volkanovski prepares better if he respects you more. So. Like like the Chad Mendes fight being an example, I think there was a very good approach, but I do think it was uh, him also thinking he was about to go fuck up a guy that's a little bit past it. Because the way that he fought that fight was a lot more like hard-nosed and aggressive than he's fought other fights. A- again, a very specific matchup, but he respected Aldo heavily and was willing to take winning by 2% each round in a way that he was not willing for, for the Chad Mendes fight, or even for the, the Korean Zombie fight. Anytime he thinks he's just going to go fuck someone up, he goes up and just, you know, he's safe enough. He's a safe fighter generally, but he takes way more risks if he thinks he's going to be able to to fuck you up. I think this is one of his fights where he's going to come in with an incredibly detailed and well-strategized game plan. And he's, it's just uh, to be determined what Yair does, because Yair, not necessarily a good strategist, but he's really powerful and he has a huge arsenal and he has a lot of different things that can just be very annoying for and he may not uh be any kind of strategist but what we've seen in his last few performances is that he fights with urgency he is always just trying to fucking do stuff to wipe the other guy off the face of the planet and he has incredible feel yeah um you know um even in the brian ortega fight he was just like, yeah, this guy's probably a better boxer than me, but he's also glacially slow and I have a reach advantage, so I'm just going to fucking spam one-twos. And he was lighting Brian Ortega up with one-twos leading up to the scramble with the, uh, that finished the fight. And he has insane confidence. He was like, oh, I'm grappling with this guy. I'm going to fucking submit him real quick. And, you know, injury aside, he, he went for it. Yeah, it was armbar him. Fuck it. And then Josh Emmett, uh, I feel like... I feel like his confidence in his grappling is less so confidence in his grappling and just confidence. Yeah. yeah. Like, you put him in any situation, you put him in a boxing exchange, he's going to think he can fuck you up with boxing, even though he's not a very good boxer. And he doesn't really have powerful punches in the traditional sense. He's a, he's a very quick puncher, though. I think his speed could be really fucking difficult for Volkanovski. Yeah, and of course the Max Holloway fight. Like I said, while, while Max Holloway was trying to just kind of feel out the first round, Yoya Rodriguez just kicked the fucking dog shit out of his leg. And Max is like, ah, yeah, it's fine. Leg kicks don't count. And then he got leg kicked like another 40 times. And he was like, okay, I got to do something about this now. And he's so durable that he's likely going to get to a fifth round with Volkanovski, you'd say, right? I would imagine so. And that's a hard thing for Volkanovski because Volkanovski tends to coast in the fifth round. Uh, unless he's fighting Max Holloway specifically. I think it was just the Brian Ortega fight where he did that. A similar thing could happen, you know, if if he's thoroughly shit-kicked Yaya Rodriguez for most of the fight and is comfortable that he's up on the cards, and he comes out in the fifth round and he's like, ah, I'm just going to let him do stuff, then I think there's a significantly higher chance of Yaya Rodriguez pulling out some fuck shit in the fifth round than there was in Brian, Brian Ortega in that fight. He also, he doesn't coast if he doesn't think he's ahead, but he, he coasted a bit against Max Holloway in the first fight. Uh, in, in the fifth round. Like, he, he does take a break if he thinks that he can take a break, uh, even if the fight's very late. He, he more just tries to stay out of range to not 
get damaged, but I think it's a very real possibility that he could be winning heavily going into a fifth round, and Yair just comes out and fucking swings. And that's not a, a, a comfortable situation for Volkanovski to be in. Uh, yeah, if, if anyone is going to pull out a, a fifth round comeback on Volkanovski and punish him for his not even that egregious offense of coasting in the fifth round, it, like he, he normally doesn't do it unless he has good reason to think that he can, you know, get away with it. But it, if anyone's going to punish him for it, it'd be Yair. Yair is, is insistent from the second the fight starts till the second the fight ends. Some of his best offense against Max Hollow was in the fifth round after receiving a monumental shit kicking. You probably shouldn't pick it. I think uh, Volkanovski certainly should be favored, but I think uh, people who just like you, p- people who don't rate Yaya Rodriguez because, in a lot of ways, he is still kind of a mess technically and somewhat strategically aimless. These people, I think, are going to be surprised by what a hard fight this ends up being, at least in spots for Volk. Yeah, I think regardless of the results, it's still a 70-30 fight for Volkanovski to win. Uh, I, I think 30%'s a lot fucking higher of a percentage chance to win than most people think it is, though. People hear that and they think, oh, wow, he's gonna get fucking wiped most of the time. No, it is... That is a high fucking chance to win against a fighter like Volkanovski. I think at this point, honestly... Give it maybe 80-20, Maybe, but... Really, I think that Yair is. I think he's that dangerous and and like difficult to predict. And his offense is, if it was just more sparse, I would give Volkanovski like a, a near a hundred percent chance to win. But he's not Yoel Romero. He's he's going to be throwing all the fucking time, and he's always trying to find new things to do. It's hard to particularly game plan for him because he'll just come up with a new move. Like the, you, there's no way that Korean Zombie could have prepared for a fucking ducking up elbow from behind the back in the last second of the fight. Like generally, conceptually, he should not have gone for what he went for in the last second of the fight. But you can't even really blame him for that. You know, he he didn't think he was about to get knocked out with a second left from a punchy or a move he's never seen before. He didn't think, oh, I'm, I'm like 20 years into my MMA career. I'm just going to get attacked by new tech. They fucking added a new update. Now there's new moves. Yeah, so I've made it somewhat of a continuous meme to just pick against Alexander Volkanovsky, even though he's the best fighter in the sport. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to pick Yaya Rodriguez to win by knockout with a new move that he invents after getting 10-7 four times in a row. Yeah, I... I in. I'm gonna pick Volkanovski by. Oh, you should. But yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. It's it's more like a flavor pick than than anything. But like he does deserve credit. Like he could win the fight. It's a difficult fight. I'm gonna pick Volkanovski by third round KO. I think Volkanovski is able to do a lot of things that can make it a very lopsided fight. Uh, if he gets Yair moving backwards in a way that someone like Max Holloway can't necessarily, mostly due to power and the the threat of of his is like ability to impose himself physically, like he's very strong in a way that Max Holloway isn't. Max Holloway is just a good, well-rounded fighter, so he was able to you know get some easy takedowns and top control whenever he, he saw a spot. But Volkanovski is able to just go up and fuck you up really badly if if you are being a little too lazy with your defense. And Yair is not a good defensive fighter. 
he is liable to be getting his legs kicked out from under him while he's in exchanges and then just get power bullied whenever they're in very tight. So if Yair gets put against the fence, he doesn't have the same type of offensive upside that he does against most other people. So I think Volkanovski's going to find ways to make the striking look a bit closer to the the Korean zombie fight towards the end. Yeah, and although Yaya Rodriguez is absurdly tough, I, I do not think a, a finish from Volk is out of the question in the slightest, particularly if Yaya does uh, consistently get put on his back and doesn't have any urgency about, about working to his feet. I think he's going to get fucking smashed on the ground <laughs> if, if it stays there too long. And, and something we learned about... Uh, or something that Yair learned from the Frankie Edgar fight is that uh, he's just got to like be better. He doesn't have to change anything strategically. He'll, he'll just be better at, at getting fucked up on the ground. Or at not getting fucked up on the ground. Which is a very himbo way to approach uh, your progression. But it seemed to work. You know, he, he got beaten by a guy that was just too good for him at that point yeah i mean in in some ways it can be a healthy way to uh approach your development not and you know to not take losses as oh well i gotta do stuff different and just be like well i gotta be better at doing the stuff that i do it's just the fact that him getting better is mainly just taking the form of him being even more insane yeah, I, I really just think of the Frank Edgar fight a bit as what if Brian Ortega had fought uh, Frankie Edgar in 2016 or something? Like, he, he would have gotten his ass beat. I also kind of think uh, Yaya Rodriguez, his takeaway from that Korean zombie fight really might have been, well, I was losing, and then I won with fucking wacky shit in the last second, so obviously I just need to invest more in wacky shit. These low percentage things are just higher percentage when you're Yaya Rodriguez. Yeah, if you're athletic enough that you don't really have to worry too much about how low percentage something is in a vacuum, if you have outlier levels of athletic traits, like he, he can jump over Volkanovsky's head fucking easily. Like he can easily jump that high. No problem. He, he doesn't even really have to load up. He just like did a little knee bend then jumps over him. So the the explosivity that he has in a, a very lanky frame is imposing for a, a fighter like Volkanovski. So it's going to be a great fight. I'm really fucking excited for it. We just talked about it for like 35 minutes. Uh, very obviously we're, we're excited for it. So yeah, um, we still got a whole bunch of other stuff to get into. We might as well get on with this co-main event. Brandon Moreno defending the flyweight title against Alessandre Pantoja. Uh, this is the third time that they have fought. Uh, the first one was in the Tough House, so make of that what you will. Uh, fighters don't really get much specific preparation in that scenario. Um, but Pantoja did win both fights, uh, which makes it an interesting matchup because you know, their last fight was five years ago. And if this fight was being made now and I hadn't already seen these two guys fight, I'd be like, well, Brandon Moreno probably just wins, right? You know, Alessandro Pantoja kind of plodding power puncher with great jiu-jitsu uh, seems like some a matchup where Brandon Moreno should be able to kind of just like work his jabs and kicks from the outside and kind of be able to neutralize grappling threats with his own scrambling ability. Um, he did get his fucking ass beat in that second fight, though. Um, you know the first fight 
First fight was kind of just like a crazy war where both guys were swinging and Pantoja was just a little more comfortable under fire. And even when he was eating shots, he was just ready to throw back. Um, and he's, he's just a bigger puncher than Brandon Moreno. Um, and then in the second round, he just like shoots a double leg and as Moreno's like working to his needs, Pantoja just teleports to the back and chokes him out. I think it's say it's, it's, it's the tough house take from that what you will. Uh, it was really in the second fight where you see, um, I mean, it was crazy going back to that fight and uh, Moreno's fight before that with Sergio Perez where you just like, uh, Brandon Moreno was a fucking mess back then. He was he just actually kind of sucked for a while. Yeah, he like in that Pantoja fight, he was just leaping in with wild hooks, and Pantoja was just picking him off with straight punches. He wasn't doing anything crazy. You know, Pantoja's a little bit of a one-two merchant. Uh, he just has a good one-two, and he hits really fucking hard. And you know, he badly hurt Moreno with a jab in the first round uh, j- just because Moreno was leaping into range that badly the, all, all Pantoja had to do was stick his fists out and um, uh, any attempt that even came close to finishing a takedown from Brandon Moreno was unable to lead to any uh, clean jiu-jitsu position before uh, Pantoja was just able to spring straight back to his feet it was a complete shutout. Um, it's probably those two fights back to back that made Brandon Moreno go, "Oh, I've actually got to fucking learn how to box." And in that five years, yeah, Brandon Moreno, like, he has a great jab that he builds everything off of, and uh, he actually has pretty serviceable head movement. He still loves to just like jump in and throw something crazy, but um, I think he just has a way better feel for when he wants to take those gambits and uh, and uh, is actually prepared to be defensive and stay in exchanges and keep looking for counters after he started throwing, which he was just not in against Pantoja. Because as I say, he, he, even if he was landing, Pantoja just has a crazy chin and he doesn't mind being hit and just using that uh, as uh, an opportunity to just hit you back way fucking harder. It, it really does seem that uh, with the improvements that Moreno's made and just with uh, Pantoja being kind of old for a flyweight now, you know, he's 33, he's been fighting for a long time and has just been a lot less willing to uh, push a crazy pace in fights recently. And so you think that a, a five-round fight with a version of Brandon Moreno that is capable of just picking him off from long range with jabs and kicks... Seems like a really fucking hard fight for him. I, I think Moreno has a really good career to learn from. Uh, I, I'm not normally one to harp on process or anything. I mean, it's it's an important aspect of fighting, but I, I'm normally a lot more lenient with someone having a, a kind of all-over-the-place process. But he had absolutely no fucking process, uh, to the point to where it was horribly detrimental to him for the majority of his early career. And it wasn't until he left the UFC that he actually started developing one. It seemed like an example of a young fighter getting to the UFC too young and then not being able to develop at all until he got a little bit better. Because once you're a certain level of good, you can still develop your skill set in the UFC. But if you're not good enough to even be in the UFC yet, 
then you're just going to keep running your head into a wall of getting fucked up while trying to win these matchups that you can't win. So, he got outclassed by Sergio Pettis, got fucking shit-stomped by Pantoja, then, you know, dips out of the UFC, comes back, and even though his process is sporadic fight-to-fight, he does have a process in every single fight. You look at uh, the Juicier Formiga fight, uh, a very distinct process. Like, he was trying to do uh, some volume boxing things that he had never really gone for. He was, you know, working his jab in a way that we hadn't seen like too much from him it, it his prior fights in the ufc had seemed like his jab was more just kind of there it, it was uh, you know the, the kai car france fight the first one also he an example of him showing that he has a bit more process but it's still being kind of unrefined but then by the time he gets to the the second figueredo fight he has a pretty defined process that he he prefers as his a game he, he likes jabs. He, he likes uh, throwing in nice body hooks off of the jabs. He has a nice left kick that he'll throw out just to kind of occupy your arms. He has a decently powerful snap and kind of snappy right hand. Uh, and his grappling was a lot more structured into his game than it had been prior. Like his, his grappling's always been good. It's just it just didn't fit into his game very well because his boxing didn't work with it. Now he can actually you know like defend something and, and like sneak to the back real quick he he has a process in every fight like he very obviously has just learned how to fight better and i think this is an example of he he just got good and pantoja was a finished product when he was fighting uh moreno the last time whereas moreno was nowhere near a finished product whenever they last fought so i think it's it's an example of fights not always necessarily being determined by the style matchup. Because though it is a pretty hard style matchup for him, in theory, he didn't really have a style when he lost to, to Pantoja. And now he actually has a style that he fights in. So, I, I'm thinking Moreno is going to probably piece up uh, Pantoja with his jab at long range and then if they get into exchanges. I think Moreno's chin can still handle the power. I don't think he's necessarily uh, gonna get dropped every fight from now on. I think he's just he just got cracked. Uh, you know, if, if you're fighting uh, if you're fighting Figueredo, you're gonna get cracked. Like, it just happens. So, him getting dropped only, what, like once or twice out of the entire quadrilogy. Yeah, I guess. He got dropped in the first fight by Kai Kara France. Yeah. You know, he's got a, I just mean, he's got a crazy chin, but he's not unkillable, and Pantoja is one of the harder hitters in the division and still seems to have a fucking wacko chin. And uh, as I say, is just like, he will just stay in exchanges and eat shit and just fucking blast you back. And Moreno is actually going to be hanging around in exchanges with Pantoja this time around. I tend to think that he's the one who is actually like better equipped to like stay defensive and fire back with counters in those situations, but he's going to get punched clean in the mouth at some point. He still likes to bang a little too much for his own good, and Pantoja is uniquely dangerous in that space. I, I think something weird about the fight is that uh, we don't really know where Pantoja's at. He's 
he's kind of just won against two people that are really, really good matchups for him, and he submitted them pretty quickly, where we didn't get to see too much from him before then. So, Alex Perez is uh, really bullyable, and uh, Brandon Royville uh, has no defense, and was maybe on, on the cusp of turning that fight around when he just got submitted very suddenly. Yeah, and then the Manel Cop fight, like, Manel is a, is a very inconsistent fighter. Uh, I feel like that matchup could have gone his way or not gone his way just based off of the vibe he was feeling that night. I don't think it was necessarily uh, due to Pantoja. When Pantoja's just very consistent. I, I think his consistency is actually the, the biggest difficulty for Moreno, whereas Moreno is very inconsistent. Yeah, and of course it was uh, Manel Cape's first fight in the UFC when he'd be used to fighting in a a pretty different setup over in Ryzen, and uh, Pantoja is certainly not a forgiving opponent uh, to be taking in that context. A guy guy with an iron chin who can kind of just win on a medium pace of kicks, you know, against Manel Cape, a guy who mostly does depend on. Uh, just uh, suddenly knocking you the fuck out. And then, of course, Pantoja had that loss to Askar Askarov, uh, which was a you know, very close competitive fight, but was uh, largely defined by Pantoja going nuts, selling out for submissions in scrambles in the first round, and kind of getting tired and just getting a little bit outworked on the feet by Askar Askarov. And that's not a good look. No, if Askarov can do that to you, um, then you'd, uh, you'd think that Brandon Moreno can do that, particularly over the course of five rounds if Pantoja doesn't have uh, the cardio to go hard for three these days. Even though he has done it in the past, he did, you know... It did in the first, in the uh, second Moreno fight, and in the uh, Figueredo fight. In, in Moreno, the biggest difference, aside from all the other dramatic changes that I, I've listed uh, since their last fight, is Moreno can actually fight on the back foot now. He could not prior to like 2019. He was just a flatly bad back foot fighter. If he was on the back foot, he was just getting his ass whooped. It meant that he wasn't being allowed to come forward. Whereas now he can comfortably take the back foot intentionally and win a fight. Sometimes that, and sometimes that's even the best approach for him in some of his, his matchups. It's just also difficult because we've only really seen him against uh, Kaikar France and then uh, Figueiredo eleven times. Yeah, which I guess are both kind of. Uh reasonably instructive matchups for this. Yeah, I think they're more instructive by a landslide than uh, Pantoja's matchups have been. So, Yeah, I mean, you know, both just uh, guys who are really hard to outgrapple who are trying to take your head off with right hands. <laughs> I'm going to pick Brandon Moreno, probably by decision, maybe a late submission? Uh, if he really wears down Pantoja, but I've I find it pretty hard to see him finding a finish in this fight. And I think it's uh, a fight where he has to be extremely disciplined and uh, one that does become more dangerous dangerous for him the more aggressive he wants to be about it. 
Yeah, I I think I'm gonna pick uh, Moreno by middle round finish, like maybe fourth round finish, something like that. I think he can get a, a stoppage TKO, and mostly as a like a cardio fact, like uh, cardio is a factor. I think Pantoja's cardio is just too shaky at this point, and he's he's 33 at flyweight. That's just 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 kind of all for flyweight. It, as simple as that. And he is also going to be getting hit in the body quite a bit. Yeah, Pantoja is a big high guard guy. That was like one of the only good things that Moreno was uh, doing in the first couple of fights was just wanging hooks to the body under Pantoja's high guard when he would shell up. I think you're probably right. If there's going to be an avenue for Moreno to finish the fight, it's going to be a kind of volume attrition TKO in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, and I, th- I think... Uh... Though Figueredo losing by eye injury is kind of not that instructive, it shows that, you know, he, he can get some pop into his hands that he could not have back when they f- fought last. No, it's not the... Uh, I don't want to make it sound like I think that Moreno is totally pill- pillow-fisted and can't hurt Pantoja. It's just... Pantoja just doesn't get hurt very much. That's fair. He, he went a full three-round fight with uh, Figueredo and didn't really get hurt he just got fucked up horribly yeah um kind of just hasn't really had to get himself into any horrible wars since then uh, as i say, i think that the more that moreno really wants to press exchanges and stay in the pocket the more pantoja has opportunities to find big round winning or fight ending moments i think it's a bit of a double-edged sword in that he, i agree but I also think the more opportunities to exchange he has, the more opportunities he has to gas himself out and then get finished. Because, yeah. you know, anyone's chin goes if they get tired enough. And Pantoja has had, I think, fortunately, two somewhat early submission wins in his last two. I think his cardio is a lot worse than it's... is a lot worse off from age than you would expect. A bit of like the the Marlon Rice thing, where you can't really like assess how Pacity is because he's been finishing people that are pretty good matchups. Yep, maybe this is his Henry Cejudo fight. We barely addressed the grappling at all with this matchup, and I think that's probably because it's like uh, it's most likely a non-factor. I don't really think either guy is going to be able to have significant success getting good takedowns or holding the other guy down in. A- at like any strong positions consistently I, uh, I think it's just one of those things where they're going to be extremely evenly matched on the ground to the point that it's going to cancel out and we're mostly going to get a kickboxing match yeah I, I entirely agree I think I very well could be overlooking the grappling dynamic um, mostly due to the Brandon Moreno versus Figueroa fourth fight uh, gra- like scramble that people gift because that shit was fucking sick and it's stuck in my head uh, I just can't imagine him getting, uh, like, grapple-fucked at this point in his career. And I think if he does get on Pantoja's back, Pantoja's just very consistent and, and concise about getting out of those situations, unless maybe it goes late. But even then, that kind of leans into my TKO from exhaustion pick, where if he does get grappled, I think it's mostly a function of him just being tired. And then Moreno, I, I, I just, I just think he's gonna deal with grappling very well. He, he's looked very consistent about uh, defending wrestling in his last several fights. 
So he hasn't given us much reason to worry. And shut out GCA Formiga on the map. <laughs> yep. Who is a fantastic back. To- <laughs> um, fortunately, we, we spent a ton of time on these two fights, but the rest of the card has really very little to talk about matchup-wise. It's a lot of kind of cut-and-dry uh, matches that we're going to talk about because they're fun. Like Rob Whitaker versus Dreykus Duplessis. What, can, uh, Christian, you, can you think of any possible reason to pick uh, Dreykus Duplessis in this fight? Oh, God, no. <laughs> but uh, we're, we got to do our due diligence and, and say every avenue he could win. And I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, Jared Cannonier hurt Rob with a jab a little bit. Uh, Dreykus, he hits hard and he's really aggressive and he fights weird. So maybe he'll like wang something goofy and knock and, and like knock Robert out. But all good practice would lead one to believe Rob Whitaker is going to beat the fucking piss shit out of Dreykus Duplessis, yeah, Dre- which could be a curse because every time we say that, the guy doesn't get the fuck piss beaten out of him. So I feel like those are just the ones that we remember. I think most of the time, the guy who's supposed to get the fuck piss beaten out of him just does. And <laughs> Dreykus Duplessis, this whole thing is just trying really hard and not really having a defined game or any technique or uh, like specialization base for MMA in any kind of way. He just he just tries really hard, and that works at middleweight because he gets the fuck beaten out of him, and he's just still there because he's really tough and has this wacky motor where he just gets like second, third, and fourth wins in fights where he clearly gets dog shit tired and beaten up. Um, and Rob Whitaker is just built to feast on these guys. Uh, you know. <laughs> I picked Rob Wigan to beat the fuck piss out of Marvin Vittori and he just went out and did it because he's just better than Marvin Vittori and this is all you need to pick matchups at this level of middleweight um, it would gen- genuinely be a freak occurrence if Rob Whitaker were to lose this fight <laughs> Yeah, if he loses, I'm gonna be on the Rob Whitaker's shot train so fucking quickly. Yeah, I, I I never do that off of one fight when the guy's been looking fine. Yeah, me neither. I I normally give people like a lot of chances to show me their shot before I think they're shot. This one, if he loses, I'm gonna think he's shot instantly. Okay. Yeah, onto a more interesting fight that isn't as simple as this guy's probably gonna high kick uh, the other guy's guard 55 times. Uh, Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. Weird height dynamic. Yeah, and it's a weird mirror match. And I think I've previously said that Jalen Turner is essentially the new Dan Hooker in the weird, lanky, rangy guy who really just wants to step in and swang some crazy heat in the pocket, who is, is an okay defensive wrestler, but has like uh kind of kind of suspect grappling in like deeper layers um problem is that dan hooker's like kind of shot be a sick matchup if i expected dan hooker to uh be in good form but uh beating claudio poyas and really tell us anything it, you know it tells us that he's audio kind of beat himself as much as dan beat him yeah like that fight showed us that dan hooker was not shot enough to get knee barred in two minutes by Claudio Poyas. And as I said at the time, even if he had it, wouldn't have even necessarily told us that he shot. 
as like Claudio Poyas, his wind condition is so narrow and stupid and memey that even Dan Hooker being able to win that fight, I mean, he looked really slow. It just showed he's like, yeah, he's like a solid enough MMA grappler to not lose to this fucking weird guy's one stupid trick that people are just wise to now. Um, but, you know, it's been, you know, the, 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 this was a guy who was like famously unknockoutable. He's been knocked out a few times now. Like, he, you know, he had that hideous war with Dustin Poirier. Most people just can't do that thing that many times. Uh, like, I, 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 want, I want to actually talk about this fight from it being like a, a fun long boy kickboxing match. But I kind of think just Dan Hooker's just going to get dusted with a wonky right hand in the first round. Yeah, this is a an awkward fight for Dan Hooker matchmaking-wise because if you look at Dan Hooker's last six fights, it's... Uh, four people that are objectively elite, like really fucking good, is Makashev, who is a pound-for-pound pound top guy right now and the champion. Arnold Allen, who is, you know, he, probably for the next few years he's going to be like a fight away from being champion anytime. You have uh, Dustin Poirier and also elite, but the, he also fought Nazrat Hakpras and Claudio Puez during those, or, or like during that six-fight stretch. And this fight feels smack in the middle. Jalen Turner's uh, definitely better than Claudio Poyez, but uh, Islam Makachev, he ain't. Yeah, I, I think that this fight overall is just incredibly uh, harsh for Dan Hooker. Because they, they're giving him very like black and white matchmaking. It's either you fight someone elite or someone that we really think is going to be elite, or you fight someone kind of shit. Like, Nasrat Hakpras and Claudio Puez, not that good. I, I think they're... They are probably, like, in the top 40 of lightweight or something. And then Jalen Turner, he's... He's good enough to where he you can see him being top 8 within the next few years pretty comfortably. Uh, he also arguably uh, beat his last opponent, which is something to note, because... I don't know, it, it, like, it, the fight was kind of close and wasn't at short notice as well. Jalen Turner's fight against uh, Mateusz Gamrot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was relatively short notice. It, it was just a kind of awkward fight, and he had good success against Gamrot. Yeah, and it is unfortunate that my pick basically has to come down to Dan Hooker being kind of past it, because, um, you know, D Dan Hooker at his best was a really dangerous counterpuncher, and Jalen Turner, no defensive wonderkind, who really relies on just being huge and being able to put his offense together at a range that people aren't able to hit him back. And we saw how that worked out for James Vick against Dan Hooker. Because, uh, you know, Dan Hooker was just the one who was actually way more comfortable with dealing with uh, uh, being at length parity or uh, disadvantage against his opponent. He just decked James Vick, of course. Now, James Vick had no chin by that point. And, compared to Jalen Turner, uh, dog shit a little bit. Very good fighter, but compared to Jalen Turner in this current form, probably kind of dog shit. Yeah, James Vick at his best could actually kind of kickbox. Um, but, you know, he, he just... Yeah, he, he was an okay fighter. Uh, 
I, I, I just think Jalen Turner is a bit more of like an offensive dynamo. Yes, uh, and you know, but but my point being that there's there's similarities there, uh, but whereas you know James Vick just got iced by the first good shot that Dan Hooker landed, but probably would have been able to just land it a bunch more times. Uh, even in a winning effort against Claudio Poyas, he just looked so slow and tentative that I just I, I just can't see him not getting wiped out in this matchup. Yeah, it's a, a difficult thing for. Dan Hooker that he also could have lost this fight in theory even in his prime so oh certainly it's just a difficult matchup like Jalen Turner is really offensively potent and he's not good defensively like you said but he's not like a complete void you you can't just go hit him whenever you want to you actually have to get past his offense yeah um but this is but uh, but this is kind of what I mean that uh obviously his knockout loss to Vicente Luque you know, he he was fighting the hardest puncher in the division up on short notice. There's not too much to take away from that, but kind of in a way, it it, it does show that yeah, J- Jalen Turner just needs to be able to scare people off with his offense, and for people not either not being able to or not being willing to stay in range with him, and against. Vicente Luke, who was just like, oh, "I'll just eat the spinning elbow and then just blast you with a left hook." You know, there's there's something there. <laughs> I just don't think Dan Hook is able to have that kind of fight anymore. Yeah, and being knocked out by Vicente Luque when he was like had half the fights that he does now, not the best indication of how Dan Hooker in his current form is going to be able to really get much offense off. Uh, but then, uh, uh, before that fight, we got Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price. Ugh. Is Robbie Lawler washed enough yeah. to get knocked out by washed Nico Price? I think no. I, I think he, he, I, I don't know. It depends on how I answer the question because I think he is capable of winning or, or capable of losing this. Like, you know, Nico Price could knock him out, of course, but Robbie Lawler looked perfectly fine against Brian Barberina for, for, for the first round. Like, he looked good. He was doing cool shit. He was doing like some neat Robbie Lawler type stuff. So if he just can do that again for a round, I think he might actually just finish Nico Price. Because Nico Price, not in great form lately. Yeah, that's kind of what I really want to see. And, this, and when the thing about Nico Price is, I don't know if he ever really looked in what you could call good form apart from maybe the, the second Vicente Luque fight. Yeah, then he's, he's not a good finisher. He's just a good hitter. Yeah, all yeah, all of his wins are just like he suddenly knocks someone out when he's getting his ass beat. Um, and it's been a really long time since he's pulled the Nico Price and done that. Uh, probably was also when he fought James Vick, and before that, you know, you, you had him getting absolutely walloped by Tim Means for a round, and then knocking Tim Means out with a single fucking weird loopy punch. This is like exactly that fight again. Yeah, and getting fucked up by Randy Brown, then knocking him out. Yep, getting fucked up by Alex Morono, and then knocking him out suddenly. And then, you know, sometimes he fights, like, Al-Hassan, who just knocks him out in 20 seconds. Jeff Neal, just a a consummate professional who just beats his ass and finishes him. I I feel like there's a... It's kind of a 50-50 fight, just based off Robbie Lawler being about as past it as someone can be while still being in the UFC. But 
I'm, I'm still going to pick Robbie Lawler. I'm going to say Robbie Lawler finish within the first round. I'm going to send the good vibes Robbie's way, even though I just made a sharpness pick, uh, because this is a fight that he really shouldn't lose bar just getting whacked with some fucking silly shit that he doesn't see coming. That could happen, but like I said, it's just been a while since Nico Price has done that to anyone. And yeah, Robbie looked good enough against Brian Barberena until he just like gassed from his own work and was fighting someone who's actually capable of turning fights like that around in a way that I don't really trust Nico Price to be able to. I, I tend to agree if Robbie Lawler is able to look anything like he did in his in the first round of his last couple of fights in which he was also thoroughly washed he really should just finish nico price i am inclined to agree yeah he's definitely gonna get knocked out now okay um, jack De- della madalena is fighting a uh 24 year old whose nickname is muscle hamster and it is short notice because uh, Jack Della Maddalena's opponent has pulled out. So he is now fighting another person that is dramatically less experienced than him uh, and probably going to get fucking wiped out. That being said, we have not had time to watch tape on Josiah Harrell because the fight just got cancelled. So as we are recording this, we have uh, we have not had the time to research him, so we are going to be a little... Maybe this guy with seven fights is a fucking prodigy... Or he's just fucking wacky. He's got Amy fights. I mean, yeah, man, well, man, yeah, maybe he's just wacky enough that he can pull up, pull the fucking uh, Hernandez versus Darius. Uh, JDM's just going to wipe him off the face of the planet. Presumably, is the Pete Rodriguez fight again? Uh, you know, JDM was supposed to be fighting Sean Brady, uh, a meaningful fight against another welterweight contender. This is just stay busy and wax a can. Yeah, although this guy, he seems like he could be something soon. He is a, uh, based off his typology page, doing the most surface level analysis possible. Uh, he is 24, he's 5'7 with 67 inch reach. He's generally a lightweight, but uh, his last weigh-in was 162 pounds. And he has a wrestling foundation with uh, a total of 13 wins, uh, amateur and pro combined. So he should be he should get dusted really quickly and then probably lose his next fight right after it against probably like Pete Rodriguez and then uh, get kicked out of the UFC and then come back and then be fine in like four years. Yeah, I mean, Pete Rodriguez also might be okay. Yeah, he certainly seemed okay. Like, they're not giving him bad people that are way below his level. They're just giving him people that are way below his level. Okay. There's some other stuff on this card. I don't really give a shit. Uh, all, all I want to mention is just shout out to Tatsuro Tyra. Oh, yeah, Tatsuro Tyra's fighting. Yeah, he, he also was supposed to be on another card recently. Now he's got a catch weight. Another stay busy fight. I haven't had time to look into his opponent, but always excited to see Tatsuro Tyra. So, uh, yeah, Sean Strickland uh, beat the fuck out of Abus Magomedov. There was no real reason to expect that this guy was actually going to be good. Uh, he's not Jerry Prohouska, he's Ottoman as Itar. It's that kind of record. And he got to kind of kick Strickland up a little bit for the first round. He came out hot and he was being very active and just trying to switch stuff up and throw lots of volume. And Sean Strickland is kind of kickable and will just like let you do stuff and see what you want to do. <laughs> he's... 
Um, yeah, Charles Strickland's really lazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Um, but he got poked in the eye really fucking badly, and uh, just actually came out with some urgency in the second round, and just like like did a one one two and fucked Abus up real bad, and then just spent the whole round just chasing him around, just uh, beating the shit out of Abus, but just having like whack mechanics so it took him a real long time to get the finish even though Abus completely fell apart once he got pushed back and uh, was forced to be defensive at all uh, just massive levels test don't really know what the fuck they thought they were doing putting this guy in this fight oh, I would say hopefully the UFC learned their lesson about doing bullshit like this but there's no way they learned their lesson they're like oh you know fucking Guy, guy cracks and makes to make an omelet. You know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Just fucking throwing out quotes. The thing about Abus Magomedov is he is, like, in his 30s and has, like, 30 fights and has been fighting for a while. So I kind of get... If he's going to be something... It's going to be now. I, I kind of... You know, this, this isn't, like, just breaking a prospect because they don't know what they're doing with them. Like, I, I totally understand just immediately just giving him hard fights and seeing if if he can hang because yeah if if he's going to be able to at any point it's going to be now but don't make it a main event and probably not against the guy who is really cementing himself as like one of the toughest gatekeepers at the, at the top end of the division like you know guys who beat Sean Strickland are going to be getting title shots yeah it's a weird one because so, the, it just it sets a weird precedent because Abus Magomedov is not a particularly good prospect. He does not pass the eye test in any meaningful way to where you think, oh, they give this guy a, a fucking shot at the top. Like, Caio Baraglio seems from the eye test to be a much better fighter, but they're taking him along slow while he's young, which normally doesn't even matter. Normally, they just do it based off of how your performances are, regardless of your age. Honestly, I, th- I think a lot of this just comes down to career management, and Caio Baraglio is actually a prospect, and his management is actually treating him as such and giving him the fights that he needs to build himself up, which is what they should be doing with a guy like that. But, you know, Abus Magomedov, he's been, as been saying, he's been fighting for a long time, and he has an extensive finishing record. And here's the thing, he had fights booked in the UFC against guys like Gerald Mearshart, which is exactly the kind of fight that he should be having. The, the, you know, Ger- Gerald Mearshart is the guy that you give these guys and then you give them a top 15 guy. Knocking out Dustin Stolzfus in 20 seconds meant literally nothing. Um, I think they just needed... Like, give, give guy Brad Tavares, give him fucking... Like Christoph Yatko, like, give him a hard fight that isn't just he's he's gonna get fucking destroyed by a guy that's way better than anyone's ever fought. No, I honestly think that they just needed to make a main event, and Sean Strickland doesn't give a fuck and he'll fight anyone. And this was a guy that, with having an extensive finishing record on the regionals, they could try and sell as, like I say, a Jiri Prohaska type guy who's coming in and is this fucking monster who's just gonna run up the division. So they were just like, yeah, this'll do. Sean Strickland can A-side a main event against this fucking guy. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's just hard because he has way worse wins than Yuri had leading up to his actual title fight. Yeah, but people who only watch the UFC don't know that. That's fair. 
Uh, Demir Ismagulov got uh, fucked up pretty easily by Grant Dawson. Yeah, just got pressured and and just re- reactive double legged into body triangles for like the entire ass fucking fight. Uh, I should have known when we had the other uh, Kazakh one two merchant who said he was going to retire and then came back lost a couple weeks ago. I should have taken that as a bad sign. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Said if Demir was gonna lose, it was gonna be like this. I just uh I just didn't didn't really expect it. Don't know if I've been uh underrating Grant Dawson or overrating Demir, probably a little bit of both. Although I was never one of I was just I never was never one of these guys who's like, Oh yeah, Demir's top five, he's gonna beat Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I'm gonna try not to be too much of a dick to like all the Demir fans out there. All the Demir maniacs around the world. I think you should be a dick to those guys. I just don't think you should be a dick to Demir. No, yeah, Demir, he's a good fighter. Uh, but I said in, after his last fight, I think he just, I think his game is a little too simple for the modern MMA. I think he has a very nice game. But, you know, you look at other one-two guys that are successful at the top level, and they just have so much more that they do. Whereas Demir, you know, he always got some kicks occasionally. Always got, you know, a nice takedown. He's he's a pretty decent grappler, but he doesn't shut people out completely on the ground or, or, or from taking them down the way the Calvin Cater can. And he doesn't have power. He he doesn't really get much done with his offense outside of just trying to win rounds. And at lightweight, that's just a kind of losing battle. Like you're you're always going to run into someone that that has the goods to fuck you up and in this scenario it's just grant dawson being a a grind set road warrior he's, he's just gonna go for you he, he's he's just gonna do what he ever has to do to win he also has a pretty like surprisingly good uh feel for strategic like decision making in fights i don't think he's necessarily the best strategist outside of fights like or, or the pre-fight planning but i think in fights he just kind of knows what to do to win which is not even an underrated. It's just uh, not often brought up about guys like Grant Dawson. Because on the surface, he just seems like, oh, he's just a guy. He's, he's just like a almost 30 guy from Nebraska that kind of doesn't hit hard, has pretty good cardio, is a pretty good grappler, pretty good striker, but not great at either. But, you know, add a little bit of, of good feel for fighting to that, and that's a really fucking tough fight for everyone outside of the top ten. Yeah, I mean, he he pulled out that fucking wacky knockout against Leo Santos in, in the third round. Yeah, and subbing Jared Gordon is no joke. Uh, Mark Madsen is not easy to, to fuck up and then sub. So th- this makes sense that he won. I I don't believe I picked him, but uh, I thought he had a good enough chance to win. He is a completely serviceable fighter, and I think Demir is just a little bit too limited. And he's 32. It's not like he's young. You know, Demir has been fighting for a long time. He has a, an extensive record, and he just there was just no real reason to expect him to be anything more than he was. I think. Not in a bad way. He's a good fighter. He's successful. He became ranked. Uh, he, he's, you know, always going to be some people's, like, you know, fun little prospect guy they really liked for a while. But uh, Demir trains probably over, right? He's a little too old to be losing to Grant Dawson and expect to be coming back and having any real, like, 
championship aspirations. But if he wants to just keep fighting, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, he, he didn't look shot. He just kind of got beaten by a guy. It's a hard matchup. Yeah. Uh, Michael Morales won a decision against Max Griffin, just wanging fucking silly punches at him. Max Griffin just kind of kind of got used. Fight kind of pissed me off because Michael Morales has, a, in a weird way, he, he sticks to what's winning for him, but he doesn't try and improve on it at all. He really was just, I'm going to throw fucking one-twos at this guy, and occasionally I'm going to jump into a big two. And it was normally on like the same timing every time. He's a really inaccurate puncher. So there was more to criticize than praise for me in the fight, uh, mostly because he's like a huge prospect that people are acting like is is the next big thing. So, are yeah, saying that it's because he's athletic. I, I just th- I just think he's like weird violence guy. Oh, do you know who this guy is? He's um he's Ecuadorian Chaos Williams. Yeah, he's athletic and uh, very young. So people are treating him like he's gonna be like the the next big thing at welterweight because he's got a good frame and he was motherfuckers 24 so and also i think both his parents are, are like olympic athletes so it, it just that kind of bullshit people are gonna treat him like he's he's more impressive than he is but he, that being said he still has fucking oodles potential it's just, I, I really would like to wait for him to realize some more potential before I, I start praising him for stuff. Because to this point, I kind of th- find his game boring. It's just kind of one-twos and, uh, and occasional Superman punches and then posturing. Which is a very 24-year-old game to have, but but still, like the, the principle's still there. And Max Griffin did not look particularly good. He, he found a single counter to what... Morales was doing, which was a slip right hand, and then Morales just started varying the timing ever so slightly, and then the, the entire counter was shut down. Uh, he also stopped just charging at him, but uh, Michael Morales, he, he's a work in progress. Um, Benoit Saint-Denis pulled a big upset against Ismail Bonfim, just uh, ran up to him and body kicked him fucking 28 times, and Bonfim just just kind of, just kind of let him. This was kind of exactly what I was talking about earlier, where a guy's gonna, you know, wait and see and try and work his way into the fight, and the other guy just fucking runs up and starts doing stuff. And also, Benoit Sandini is fucking huge, lightweight. And he's he's a pretty good grappler. Um, yeah, Ismail Bonfim, he's still good. It's just you know that's a that's a hard guy to go against. Uh, we just didn't really have any reasonably Benoit Saint-Denis was any better than we had seen him be because it's just a really hard thing to get out of your mind whenever you remember him getting fucked up by Elizio Leski Santos. Yeah, I just remember him as like a really tough guy who's like okay at grappling. Yeah, and and then this one, uh, he didn't show anything he's never shown before. I just didn't expect it to work, but Bonfim, he's a kind of small lightweight. Not like frame-wise, just... uh, he feels size bullyable if uh, by a guy that's a former welterweight, you know. Uh, Kevin Lee got absolutely fucking wiped out by Renat Fakratinov. Um, just got walked into the cage and like dinged with a big right hand, and then stood up into a guillotine and choked out in like fifty-five seconds. Like Kevin Lee's just done. Like Fakratinov's decent, but he's yeah. It, it was 
it was funny that Kevin Lee landed like the best right hand I've ever seen him land in like the first 20 seconds as a counter and then it just did nothing and then he got scared because his best punch did nothing. Yeah, and then you just you just got you just got club and subbed uh instantly. He looked embarrassed too, which as one would be. He immediately got cut. He's already been cut from the UFC. Kevin Lee just doesn't look like a guy who wants to be in there anymore. Yeah, Nur Sultan Ruzaboyev, who admittedly was not on my radar, but he is one of the most experienced guys uh, to get into the UFC. It, like, it's, it's very strange that he's getting here so late, and he won by knockout, uh, just counter right against someone throwing a naked low kick. Very classic. Yeah, Bru- Bruno Ferreira just was significantly smaller and uh, low kicking in a range where he could just get blasted in, in the mouth and ju- just got knocked out instantly. Which I, I was kind of hoping that Bruno Ferreira was going to be a thing after he came in and uh, knocked out Gregory Rodriguez on short notice in his debut. But, um, you know, those things happen sometimes. Yoannison uh, Brito uh, dusted fucking. Weston Wilson. I, I believe the guy's a cop, and uh, he trains with Wonder Boy. He's a jiu-jitsu guy out of a karate gym. Yeah. So. He's just kind of like he's wonky karate dude who's not that athletic, and Brito's like just like a big explosive hitter. Like, like, like Wilson just like just went for a leg entanglement and just got waxed. The best fight of the night, Elvis Brenner versus Gurum Kutataladze. Yeah, crazy fight. Yeah. Uh, I also just criminally underrated Elvis Brenner on his kind of like pretty shaky decision win over Zabara Tukagov, who was a good fighter, but you know that there, there was nothing that Elvis Brenner did in like just uh, outworking a really negative guy to an extremely close split decision that made me think that he was going to be this guy. He got the fucking dog shit beaten out of him for two rounds by uh, Guram Kutataladze. Guram just landing looked really nice. Uh, Really nice counters as uh, Els was trying to come in and pressure, uh, landing good elbows on clinch breaks, kicking the shit out of him from long range. And uh, and Brenner just fucking, he just stayed on that shooter box pressure uh, and just wouldn't back down from exchanges even when he was getting hit and just uh, got Guram kind of ragged on the back foot in the third round, just dinged him with a short left hand and knocked him out. Crazy comeback, awesome fight. Guram. Still good, probably not elite. Yeah, there wasn't much reason to believe he was going to be elite at this point. He's kind of old, and his takedown defense looked terrible in this fight. A lot Uh, worse than it has in previous fights. I don't know if that was just the short notice or if it was just takedown selection, because I normally think of Guram as being a pretty stout defensive wrestler, but yeah, he was getting put on his back a lot in this fight. Yeah, I think Elvis Brenner... uh, he he kind of fights like if you squint and watch a, a Cheeto Vera fight from back when Cheeto Vera was more pressure heavy. Like he he has kind of wonky mechanics with his punches and mostly everything. It's just you know the ideas are there and he, he doesn't have flatly bad mechanics. It's just not you know textbook. But he he gets his his hands on people more so that he tries to land power which is an important aspect and kind of how he set up the finish. It was a nice little like shoulder check into like left hand around the guard that landed right on Guron's neck and then kind of crumbled him. Uh, he had a split dye in his hair pretty much from blood, which was fucking badass. It was the bloodiest fight of the night, the best fight of the night. 
and uh, full credit to Elvis Brenner. He's 25 and apparently getting a lot better fight to fight. So that's interesting. Someone to watch out for. He has the power of Jesus and Charles Oliveira in his corner. Like, what, what can go wrong for him? All right. That's all the good fights. Get the fuck out of here. As always, if you enjoyed this content and all the other great stuff the fight site puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where a pledge of just $5 gains access to a huge library of really great quality analytical fight content and a really great community through Discord. This has been the Forbidden Technique Podcast. We will catch you next week, where we're probably just going to be talking about the uh, Volk versus Rodriguez card. Because we got a Holly Home main event next week. So look forward to that. We'll catch you guys later. Peace. Later.